We're looking at Mark 14, verses 32 to 42. Mark 14, 32 to 42. This is what the Word of God says. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. He said to them, my soul is grieving to the point of death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, Jesus fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. He came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, Jesus went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping. Their eyes were very heavy. They did not know what to answer him. He came the third time, said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the provision of your special revelation through your word. That we might gather with a full assurance and confidence in resurrected Jesus as your bride. Seeking you that you might speak to us in undeniable, clear, and powerful ways through a weekly message like this. Lord, you know my inabilities. I have no strength within myself to bring a message that speaks and breathes life into us as followers of Jesus. So we surrender ourselves to you. This is a message offered to you that you might bring life and something so beautiful from it. So would you open our minds? Would you tenderize our hearts? Would you eliminate all distractions and make your name holy here, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Pastor got a phone call one afternoon, and it's from the hospital, and the man on the, other li- on the other side of the line said, Pastor, I need you to get down here quick. My boy's in the hospital. It's not looking good. And the pastor said, who is this? He said, oh, oh Pastor, this is Johnny's daddy. And I, I know uh, it's been a long time since you've seen me. You've been working on me a while, but I need you desperately. I've been praying all afternoon over Johnny's bed, promising God that I would seek after him if he would provide just a miraculous healing. You see, we were out in the afternoon, and Johnny got bit by a snake, and the doctor just came in and said, it's hopeless. Pastor, could you come down here and just at least pray over my boy before he leaves me? So I'll be there right away. And so the pastor left, gets to the hospital as quick as he can, He's parking, he's making his way to the main lobby there. And to his surprise, there in the main lobby, little Johnny and his daddy are there at the front desk talking to some nurses. 
So the pastor comes over here and says, Johnny, oh my goodness, your daddy said you were sick. Your daddy said the doctor said you were gone. Oh, it is so good to see you're feeling great. Oh, it just gave him a warm hug. And then his daddy turned around and he said, Pastor, you'll never believe what happened. Between the time you got off the phone and got down here, I'd been praying. I just said, God, if you provide this miracle of healing, if you heal my son, Johnny, then I promise I'll seek you. And when push comes to shove, it won't come push come to shove. I will press into you. I will seek after you. You'll never believe it. Pastor, God healed my boy right then and there in the moment. The pastor said, that's amazing. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Well, since Johnny's healed, could I at least pray with you before I leave? I said, sure. So the pastor grabs Johnny's daddy's hand. He grabs Johnny's hand, and they begin praying. And the pastor's prayer went something like this. Father God, thank you so much for the supernatural, undeniable, miraculous healing of little Johnny. Thank you for blessing him with this miracle. But God, more than that, thank you for the more profound miracle that you put on display today in Johnny's daddy's life. You've accomplished something today, Lord, that we've been trying for the last 10 years. He's finally seeking after you. And Father, one more request. Should Johnny's daddy forget to seek after you at some time in the future, would you please bring a bigger snake to bite him? That's an old, long, ever-winding, cheesy joke. You like that, kids? You can say no. You can be honest. It's goofy. It's cheesy. But it's tragic because it's so close to what we experience in our own lives. Professed followers of Jesus. Making our way through this world, following Jesus, professing to follow Jesus, looking the party, and maybe even saying some of the right words that sound appropriate. But instead of proactively, regular, just sincerely seeking the Lord, we're just pushed back and forth from the ways of this world. And then every now and then, push comes to shove, things get so tragic that we throw up some Hail Marys and we say, okay, Lord, this is it. I haven't even thought about you in a, a year now, but I'm seeking you now. I'm coming to a passage today. It is heavy. It could not be any further on the spectrum away from the example of Johnny's daddy. Here we have God the Son. Colossians 1 said, in whom the fullness of deity is pleased to dwell. So God himself, Jesus Christ, if there's ever one who's able and filled with omnipotence, it's him. But even he on this earth did exactly how he's done in all eternity past and as he will in all eternity future. He has this proactive seeking of God the Father. Out of this relationship, he's pressing to the presence of God the Father. And so what we see here in today's passage, the pressures of the world that Jesus is experiencing, he's pressing to the presence of God. Out of the pressures of this world, even Jesus, God the Son, Pressed to the presence of God in prayer. It says they went to Gethsemane. 
That's a combination of two Hebrew words literally meaning oil press. Oil press. I'm a one-syllable oil kind of guy, okay? So check this image out here. You can look at different oil presses in Jerusalem or Israel. And, and what it takes is it's got this stone pit. We've got an image. There you go. It's got this stone pit. And then in that pit, you'd place all these olives so you get the, the oil pressed out of it. And that circular thing you see up on its side, that's a millstone. The millstone would be placed in the stone pit on top of all these olives. And that millstone would weigh well over a thousand pounds. And you would use that wooden beam there and they'd either strap a donkey to it or they would have some men come around and they would just push that wooden beam. And as they pushed that wooden beam... That millstone, a thousand pounds plus, would roll over and over and over the olives, pressing them over and over, spilling out all of its life for a different purpose. When we come to this passage, Jesus is in Gethsemane, the oil press. Where up to this point in his earthly ministry, he has experienced a pressure from this world like never before. He is so burdened, grieved physically, mentally, spiritually, to the point of he's just unable to even hold himself up. Because the cross at Calvary for you and for me is only hours away. It's here in Mark 14, these few verses, we get a glimpse of such intimacy of Jesus' submission to God the Father's will. But at the same time, we get a glimpse of such excruciating submission to God the Father's will. It's here Jesus is seeking complete dependency upon God the Father. And we as believers today, we get this understanding, we get a glimpse unlike up, anything else up to this point in his ministry of his prayer life. And what we see is that statement I just said, that the pressures of this world pressed Jesus to the presence of God in prayer. And I want you to realize the difference between two different words. Jesus is, based on the pressures of this world, he's pressing to the presence of God. But there's a huge difference between pressed by this world and pressed to the presence of God versus being pushed by this world. And going back and forth. See, Jesus, he's pressing into the Lord. Just like those olives in that stone pit. Is there pain? Is there heaviness? Is there just a, a huge weight on them from that millstone? Absolutely. But in the pressing of that millstone over and over on those olives. Are those olives supposed to be anyplace else? No. Those olives are exactly where they're supposed to be for their intended purpose. Pressed, nearly crushed beneath the weight of that millstone. And in just the same way, Jesus at Gethsemane, knowing the cross is just hours away, is being pressed and burdened unlike ever before with literally the weight of of the world on his shoulders. He can't stand. He, he falls over, it says. 
He goes a little further in the garden as he tells the inner three, Peter, James, and John, to, to stand watch. He goes a little further in the garden and he can't carry out the traditional Jewish um, discipline of praying, standing up, but he physically falls over. You look in the other gospel accounts. He's so grieved and burdened that the capillaries, these things under your skin, burst. The blood bursts from his capillaries. He is so stressed. And they come flowing through the pores of his skin mixed with his sweat. Sweating blood from his brow before there's ever a crown of thorns placed on it. The pressures in this world and the calling Jesus has been placed in. Isaiah says he was, he was bruised but not crushed. He, he was not overcome but he's so stressed, so pressed. And that causes him to further press into the presence of his father. But then on the other side, a lot closer to Johnny and or Johnny's dad, we've got the disciples. And their most opportune moments where Jesus just so desperately asks for their support. They get a little heavy-eyed and they fall asleep. We were just resting our eyes, Jesus. You act like y'all never heard that. Come on, wake up, guys. See, there's a difference between pressed by the world and being pushed by the world. The disciples were being pushed by the world. Johnny's daddy was pushed and influenced by the world. So many of you, I dare to say, because I know from my own experience, so many of us as followers of Jesus, rather than as, um, as a result of the, the pressures of this world pressing into the presence of God, we're pushed by this world. We, we take the suggestions of society. We take the, the ways of this world, the, the current of whatever cultures around us, and that influences us rather than taking it to the Lord in prayer. No matter what we face when we're pressing into the presence of God, we can seek His will. I think the tragic thing as well is many of us, we don't even realize what forces are influencing us. We look the part, we gather at church, we check a box, we profess something, but we leave this one hour gathering a week and the world shoves us back and forth, back and forth. But Jesus, the Son of God, modeled this perfect prayer life of seeking the presence of God. So it's interesting here, Jesus is saying he's grieved. Jesus is saying, Father, if there's something else, could you give it to me? And at first that might be challenging, thinking, wait a minute, isn't he fully God? Why is he struggling with this? Isn't Jesus fully God? Why is he even asking for such a request? But remember, at incarnation, Jesus, God the Son, took on flesh. It's not like he unloaded his deity. He was fully God and fully man. When he resurrected, he resurrected fully God, fully man. And so as fully God, fully man, he still has a fullness of his deity dwelling in him. But the struggle of the flesh the spiritual warfare that he experienced was real. And what we see in this perfectly modeled prayer life of Jesus, he expresses his feelings and it's okay. 
He expresses his own desires before an almighty God, and it's okay. He says, I'm grieved to physical death. He's, he can't even stand up. And then he talks to the father. He says, Abba, Father. He just cries out to him as a, as a child would in confidence of their biological father. But this is the heavenly father, the first person of the Trinity. If it were possible, knowing everything's possible with God, the hour might pass. Remove this cup from me. Jesus is expressing his feelings and his desires before God the Father in this perfectly modeled prayer. But notice what else he is doing simultaneously. As we press into the presence of God in prayer, it is fully accepted to express our feelings and desires before an almighty holy God. But the way we're called to go about it is exactly what Jesus models here. He expresses his feelings. He expresses his desires. But he does so all while seeking God's desire. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it out here, Father. I'm, I'm here to carry out your will. I'm purpose for your glory. And I'm here to submit to your will as I have been for all eternity past. But this is, this is eating me up. If there's any other way, could you cause this cup to pass? Could you come up with some other redemptive plan for humanity? But nonetheless, while those are my feelings and desires and grievances, would you show me your desires and feelings, Lord, and align my heart with those? Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. See, when it comes between pressing to the presence of God or being pushed around, by the currents of the culture around us, therein lies the critical factor for the believer today. The struggle's real. Some of you might say, you know what, I, I think about my prayer needs. I, I go to the Lord and I, I, I think about these, I meditate on them, but, but I just, I can't, I can't get past my feelings. I can't get past my desires. Some of you do a great job of going to the Lord in prayer and saying, here's my desires, here's my feelings. But we completely forget to say, okay, now what's your heartbeat? We come to this place and say, God, whatever you desire, that's what we're looking for. The disciples never gave that an opportunity. They gave into their feelings, they gave into their desires, and caught a little nap while Jesus went further into the garden. But what did Jesus do? Jesus did what we know from Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance. Your heart where the emotions and the deceptive thoughts and feelings come from. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Jesus shared his feelings and desires with God the Father but only that they might come along and see how they're aligned with God's desires and then submit them to him. Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. When you take inventory of your own lives and following of Jesus, 
the degree to which you press into the presence of God in prayer indicates your level of authentically trusting in him as God the Father. We come to the New Testament, places like Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever is pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Jesus expressed his feelings and desires and said, I've got to give these to you, God the Father, that I might get my mind on something praiseworthy. And it's all epitomized in what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 10.5. For though we walk in the flesh, right, Jesus, fully God, fully man in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. That's interesting, right? We, we come up with a huge need in our lives, and then we start planning things out, start mapping it out. What's the logistics? Okay, we've got this huge just dilemma. What are we going to do? How's that going to look? We act as if it's all physical, but the reality is there's always this spiritual warfare going on, and we've got to take it to the spiritual level, seeking the presence of God. Weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Verse 5, we destroy arguments, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God by taking every thought captive unto obedience to Christ. Jesus was grieved to the point of death. Most intimate, excruciating experience like never before up to this point in his ministry. So he shares his feelings, his thoughts, his grievances, his desires before God the Father. While seeking God's desires as well, he takes these captives and says, they're yours. How do they line up with your heartbeat? We can look all throughout Scripture of one train wreck after another, Adam and Eve. They had their feelings, they had their grievances, they had the opportunity to press into the presence of God, but instead Satan comes along and they choose to allow themselves to be pushed around by him. Adam and Sarah, or Abraham and Sarah, Abraham hears from the Lord. They have a plan. God provides a, a promised child. He says, the promised child is, is going to come. You just have to be faithful, be patient. So they give themselves to prayer and fasting and seek the presence of the Lord, right? No. Abraham and Sarah do have conversation. Well, we thought about it, Lord. We've thought through what it might look like to carry this out. And Sarah and I talked about it. We've been thinking about it a long time. And we came up with this awesome idea. There's this beastly of a woman named Hagar. Sorry if that's anybody's name. Don't take it personal, okay? We know what follows. We see David, a man after God's own heart. And the pressures of this world burden him, and he sees Bathsheba on the rooftop. Instead of pressing to the presence of God in prayer, taking these thoughts captive and saying, make these obedient unto you, Lord. He gets pushed around by the world, gives into his flesh. We see the disciples do the very same thing and at least from my own experience as believers today, we are all too familiar with such tragedy. We come to a place in our lives as believers, life-altering decisions. 
We talk to supervisors at work. We look at things online. We talk to one another as spouses, husbands, and wives. But how well are you going about setting time aside as husbands, as wives, as followers of Jesus and seeking the presence of God in prayer? As a dad of four kids, the struggle is real. We just talked about K-1 midweek last week with families from pre-K students to seniors in high school. The struggle is real, setting this prioritized dependency upon the Lord in all things. We look at a youth sports schedule. We look at extracurricular dancing and ballet schedules. And we sign things up because we're so excited for our kids to be on a, a team sports activity in the community. But we never give ourselves a pray and say, God, would you give me your spiritual perspective? God, here's my feelings. Here's my desires. But would you bring them alongside what yours are and align them that is a prioritized dependency upon you? Before we know it, we are chasing our tail. We are run ragged, pushed around by the world. Because that which we thought about, we, we, we thought about it on our commute to work. We, we had conversations as husband and wife. I forgot to seek the Lord in it. Yeah, um, I kind of more or less informed the Lord what we had decided upon instead of first pressing into his presence. What pressure of this world do you find yourself experiencing today? We all are walking through the stickiness of the sinful world. We feel the weight of pressures from every angle. What pressure, what is the, the biggest, most heaviest pressure you're feeling today in which you have a choice? You have the choice, like Adam and Eve, to, to give in to the, the suggestion of society, of Satan, and continue thinking about it on your own. You have the opportunity to keep lingering and, and planning things of logistics and maybe even talking about it with family and with spouses. But before any of this, have you, out of the pressures of this world, pressed into the presence of God? What pressure of this world do you need to say, Father, forgive me for neglecting you so long. I need to press into your presence with this matter of my heart. Here in Affluent Katie, some of you have some amazing careers and you've got some opportunities to consider. You rush to your supervisor's office. You call different headhunters before you've ever knelt on your knees and said, Father, you have gifted me You've created passions and skills within me. Would you reveal your desire of how this can be leveraged best for the kingdom? And then where should I be located before just rushing to what seems most attractive in the secular society? What area of pressure in this world do you need to press into the presence of God? God. 